0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it down, the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. All the of that man. I really
1: hope you soon jump on his bandwagon.
0: Waddle, Waddle to a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking steps up. Fires touchdown. Okay, it. It. it's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of, of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now.
1: Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Doll fans, and welcome to the Drive Time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, part two of our two-part free agency preview, the new lead gear kicks off on... Wednesday, the negotiation period starts today, and we're going to look at the top 101 free agents from NFL.com on defense, plus the latest news and notes from around the National Football League and your Miami Dolphins. That and plenty more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the drive time part. That's another Miami Dolphins. Go ahead and start this thing off with the news and notes from around the league, from around the Miami Dolphins over the weekend. And you recall us talking about the end-of-year press conference with Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer when Chris Greer was asked about the linebacker position and if the Dolphins' cap space would prevent them from making moves to replace the potential free agents whose contracts are set to expire here next week, or I should say this week, talking about this uh, here on a Friday. But remember what Chris Greer's reaction was to the idea the Dolphins wouldn't have cap space? What it is right now is not what it will be (laughs) at the start of the season, so. And I mean, it is a little bit fitting that no one wants to take Chris Greer's word at face value, even though every single year he pretty much tells you, you know, what the team is, their approach and what they're thinking is, especially these last two years with a new head coach here that uh, also uh, gives you transparency in a lot of ways. And maybe there's some disagreements, you know, elsewhere, but pretty much tells you what the the team is thinking in their direction. And he told you here again, and they did it once again, because now the Miami Dolphins have restructured the contracts. We talked about Bradley Chubb last week, and now Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill, which has freed up about roughly, give or take, a total of about $36, $37 million uh, in available spending cash for the Miami Dolphins this season. So that's going to impact a future part of this podcast, because we're going to talk about where the Dolphins stand going into free agency. And now you've cleared up what essentially amounts to, I I mean, that's a premier linebacker. That's a starting right tackle. That's a starting tight end and probably even a, a, you know, mid-level cornerback signing those four positions with $36 million. Boom. I mean, what else did you want? So that news comes in uh, late uh, or I should say Teron and Tyreek were on Friday. And so that's where we pick it up here on a Sunday night, taping the rest of this podcast for y'all, because if you were asleep over the weekend, well, you missed a lot. We talked about the restructures and the uh, opening up of cap spending availability for the Miami Dolphins with Teron, Tyreek, Bradley Chubb, Well, the Dolphins got even busier on Friday, extending the fifth-year option to Tua tonga You saw the reports come out about that. The first player in the new CBA to have his fifth-year option exercised in the month of March. Putting to rest a lot of the stuff out that you've heard uh, pretty much forever around this quarterback. I'm not really sure why it continues to be that way, but hopefully this will quiet that for some time. But that fifth-year option puts to right around $23 million for the 2024 season, which, of course, is a great bargain. And now you have this quarterback under club control within the you know 24. He's age 25 now, was 24 just a couple of weeks ago, but 26. Uh, age 25, 26 seasons here in Miami with well below what your average quarterback market is right now and very high-level production at that position. So looking really good in that spot. We get another running back coming back home to Miami here. Savon Ahmed gets a new contract with the Miami Dolphins. He, of course, was facing free agency as the Dolphins add a little bit more juice back to the running back room. Love his speed, what he offers, you know, special teams depth when you have guys go down. Been in the system for a long time. uh, If you consider the fact that he started his career with the San Francisco 49ers. So that familiarity tracked last year. And of course, his speed is always, always a compliment to what you have on the perimeter outside. We also had the coaching staff announced over the weekend. Uh, You know this by now, but Frank Smith is the offensive coordinator. Ricardo Allen, offensive assistant, one of my favorite guys around the building. Butch Berry, the new offensive line coach, you heard about that a while back, but now official. Daryl Bevel, the quarterbacks and passing game coordinator. John Embry, same role. Josh Grizzard, the quality control coach, uh, formerly of the wide receivers. Chandler Henley, still your assistant quarterbacks. Lemuel John-Pierre, still your assistant offensive line. Mike Judge, Max McCaffrey, Colby Smith, offensive assistants. Eric Studisville, back in his same role. And Wes Welker in the same role as well. On the defensive side of the football, Vic Fangio, you know by now is new. The defensive coordinator. Matthew Arujo is the assistant def- defensive backs. Kenny Baker, assistant defensive line. Anthony Campanelli, Austin Clark, same roles. Steve Dontell, son of Ed Dontell, who was under Vic Fangio for a long time, is a defensive assistant. You know about Ronaldo Hill going from Chargers DC to passing game coordinator and secondary coach here. I cannot wait to see what he does to this defense and, and put his imprint in the passing game. Joe Casper, your safeties coach. Sam Madison, your cornerbacks and pass game specialists. And Ryan Slowick, your outside linebackers. Danny Crossman, same role. Brendan Farrell, same role as assistant special teams coach. Dave Paloka and Adam Lachance in your strength and conditioning staff. Also, unless you are Patrick Starr and you live under a rock, you heard over the course of the weekend news about a potential splash move for the Miami Dolphins. We'll talk about that when it becomes official on the new league year on Wednesday. If and when that does become official, we'll get you the latest and greatest breakdowns on all the Miami Dolphins acquisitions this offseason. And the last bit of news is that the Carolina Panthers traded up for the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Forgot what year it was there for a second... They move with the Chicago Bears. The Bears also get DJ Moore, which is great for Justin Fields. They get two first-round picks out of that as well. And I believe it was was it two second-round picks too. So the Bears making moves to build around a quarterback that I think is just exceptional in Justin Fields. So this league is getting crazy now, man. We saw Quincy Williams of the Jets re-sign a contract there, kind of setting that linebacker market right around $6 million per year for him. So we're going to see a fury of moves here, flurry of moves, in the next uh, hours, next days, and in, really for the next couple of weeks as the National Football League's offseason is about to officially arrive. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our defensive preview and pick it back up where I left this podcast off last time I uh, hit record. So we did the offense on the Friday podcast. Today, the defense from NFL.com's 101 top free agents list. It's here. Free agency has begun. I'm sure you've already heard some reports around the NFL about agreed-upon contracts that will become official by Wednesday for you know almost all of those. It seems like every year there's a couple that don't go that way, but you have the negotiation period opening up right now and players and teams heavily pursuing improving their football team. That's what the Miami Dolphins are going to look to do over the coming weeks and the coming months here. And on NFL.com, Greg Rosenthal published the top 101 free agents, 56 of those players on the defensive side of the football. And he added some names since the Friday podcast, so the numbers have been shaken up a little bit. It's, you know, guys got signed, guys got tagged, guys got plucked off that list uh, by re-signing contracts. But let's go ahead and look at this thing by position here real quick. On the interior defensive line, there are nine players from this position group. And there's an embarrassment of riches at this spot in terms of the multifaceted players from this grouping. Draymond Jones is a great example of that from the Denver Broncos. And you might recall we talked about his sack production in Denver under Vic Fangio and how really the sack leaders for the Broncos during his time there were players in this mold, the Christian Wilkins, the Zach Sealers of the world, a five technique and a true odd front, but can also slide inside and play the four, the four eye, the three, the three eye. I mean, you can play two technique in a bare front. You can even play the backside one technique in an even front, ultra productive, ultra flexible. Again, sound familiar because we have two of those guys in Sealer and Wilkins, but between this list of Jones, Onyemata, Ford, not to mention the top player on the list in Javon Hargrave. It's a good year to have that. As for, or to need that, I should say. As for the true nose tackles, Sean Robinson, I think he's probably the best option. In fact, at 330 pounds with great power and great hands, he's really the only one on this list that satisfies that criteria and I get why and Rosenthal mentions it a few times with the linebacker position you know players of this ilk if you're only a 30 40 percent player your chances of making this list weren't that great because it's the top 101 free agents right so the most value you provide to your team is probably not going to come from a guy that plays you know 350 snaps in a given season out to the edge spot 12 players, two of our our own guys, very productive players here for the Dolphins and Melvin Ingram and Andrew Van Ginkle on the list. Zach Allen from the Cardinals. You guys might recall the, hmm, was it 2019 or 2020? I forget. Well, let's see, 19, 2021. Yeah, he's a free agent after four years. So in 2019 uh, from Boston College, I was a big Zach Allen fan that year coming out of the draft. He is the number eight overall player on this list and the top edge player, on the free agent market, he's a little more built like the guys we mentioned in the Draymond Jones mold than someone like Andrew Van Ginkle, who is more likely to drop into coverage than he is to kick inside and rush from that three-technique position, a la Jalen Phillips, a la Emmanuel Ogba. I'm curious to see what the Dolphins prioritize here because Phillips, Chubb, and you factor in Ogba as part of that rotation – That's as good as you're going to get in terms of your top snap takers from that outside linebacker defensive end position. I think it's really kind of akin to Tyreek and Jalen on the other side of the ball. To me, that's four blue chip players at two of the top three, for me, premium positions. I think quarterback, wide receiver, and edge rush are the three most important positions in the National Football League from my own perspective. That's that's me talking. And goodness, just think about the depth you had. last year with those two guys with Ogba and then Melvin Ingram and Andrew Van Ginkle. So I'll be curious to see if we can bring either, either of those guys or both of those guys back the tricky part with this list is you kind of figure every single edge listed here is going to command a pretty decent penny because those guys hit in the market in their mid twenties at the premium position. Teams typically have to pay accordingly. That's why someone maybe you know Melvin Ingram, who's been on a few teams the last few years, into their age thirty thirty one, thirty two season. Perhaps, you know, that's a little bit more in Miami's range and he knows the defense, he knows the system, he knows, or rather, I should say, knows the program, knows the building, and that goes a long way. It's a pretty damn good edge class in the draft as well. So this is a deep, deep position this year. Once again, it usually is. At linebacker, 14 off-ball linebackers. To me, this is the story of the defensive part of the list. Any scheme, any flavor you want, the menu has it all. I think Bobby Wagner is still a fantastic football player. One of my personal all-time favorites. I think he's rated properly here because he's a great... Great player. Then you've got another guy with Hall of Fame candidacy coming up here uh, right behind him, Levante David. Both of those guys should set the market at the linebacker position. There was a report on Thursday before I hit the record button that it sounds like David will probably not return to the Buccaneers, so the longtime great buck set to begin a second phase of his career. But you keep going down, and like it's just player after player. T.J. Edwards was an excellent linebacker for the Eagles last year. His teammate, Kaiser White, And together, they're kind of a good example of what I talked about. Any flavor you like. Edwards, a 214-pound block deconstructor with good range. Kaiser White, kind of that dollar linebacker role. 215 pounds coverage and rush extraordinaire. Higher on that list than those guys? Three down players like Tremaine Edmonds and David Long. I am a huge fan of Long's game. He's so good. He's so smart. Very instinctive just kind of like plays out concepts and and recognizes the design of plays before they develop and he's a hell of a striker. To me, those are the two most important elements of a linebacker position and he aces both of those with flying colors. Jermaine Pratt's a good player. I think Aziz Al Shahir might be the most upside player on this entire list because he played in San Francisco's base packages, but he would heed way in sub packages with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who are both top five linebackers, that's their Tyreek and Jalen. Their Jalen and Bradley Chubb uh, in San Francisco. You could see him, you know, signing to captain the middle of someone's defense, and I, I could see him enjoying a breakout campaign in his age 27 season another one of these guys that's long tall you know lanky and just it strikes ball carriers when he flows downhill then right behind him again just like edwards and white you've got two guys back to back leighton Vanderesh is more like edwards and bobby okarake is more like kaiser white it's you got the b gap to b gap thumper with the size and then the kind of sub package rangy guy who can play more coverage and and cover guys one-on-one down the field just a really good crop of linebackers here for the dolphins to choose from should they go in that direction Obviously, we know Jerome Baker is under contract. Elandon Roberts, Sam Egwivan, and Duke Riley all are unrestricted free agents as of this moment, or will be when the new league year starts. Cornerback, uh, nine guys on the list. Really, the entire defensive backfield is, is loaded this year. Uh Bradbury is excellent. He's the top corner. I think Shaq Griffin has excelled in coverage schemes that are kind of becoming more of the norm in the NFL. Zone turn, you know, eyes on the quarterback, play patient, make plays on the football when it's there. Jonathan Jones in New England, you know about him with the Pats and how good of a matchup he's been for Tyreek Hill over the years. Not almost no one can say that. And he's actually matched up with Tyreek pretty well. So that tells you the level of quality of his play. I think Marcus Peters is a prime example of what I said about Griffin and of the highest quality in terms of taking the football away and then scoring the football. And that's a big part of defense today. If you can take the ball away and score it, like not only did you end that possession, you... By putting seven points in the board, you've created another negative possession for the off for the for their offense because to match what you just scored on defense, they have to score again. So if, essentially, it erases a scoring drive and the drive you were just on. So like, it's a big deal in a league where you know possessions are so important and scoring is so prevalent. Um, I skipped over Cam Sutton, who's anchored that Pittsburgh cornerback room for a few years, had a breakout year last year with three picks and 15 passes defensed. Patrick Peterson had a resurgence was he as he transitioned from a man-based defense to playing, you know, Ed Donatel was basically learned his entire career under Vic Fangio, went to Minnesota, didn't work out for him, there as the D.C., But it's the same concept, same idea, same type of coverage um, principles that we'll have here with the Miami Dolphins under Vic Fangio, or at least the bread and butter of those. I've always liked Bryce Callahan's game. He dealt with some injuries during his time in Denver with Coach Fangio, but last year played 15 games, had three picks with the Chargers, primarily a slot guy. But you know that when he's out there, he's going to be productive. And having that good security to fall back on in such a critical position It's important stuff. So I think Callahan's going to find himself a nice little market at the safety position. There's 12 of these guys. Like I mentioned, the DBs are loaded this year, and this might be the best group of the entire free agent crop. I mean, two in the top five, three in the top 15. And the commonality with those three players is how they maximize your ability to disguise your defense with interchangeability. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer in Buffalo were a great example of that for a long, long time. It looks like they're headed for a breakup there. Jesse Bates is the best center fielder in the National Football League. He was a center fielder in college, and the way he recognized um, route combinations at at Wake was why I thought he was a first-round pick that year. Winds up going in round two. He's a Pro Bowl-level safety. Number five overall on this list. The number three overall player is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. To me, he's one of the preeminent players, not just at his position, but in the entire National Football League. And then Jordan Poyer's number 15. He's been so good for so long. You've obviously seen all the content out there talking about him and uh, his desire to, to play in a warm state like he's talked about, but we'll see what happens there. You know, you know if, if you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about Jordan Poyer uh, on the Bills Preview Podcast. He's one of the best players in the game as well. Big fan of Jimmy Ward's game. I think John Johnson has a lot of football left in him after leaving the Rams and not really working out in Cleveland, signing a big contract there. I've always liked Juan Thornhill's game when he got drafted out of Virginia to the Chiefs. He's an interesting name at the back end of the list as well had a really strong rookie season had an Achilles tear and has been working his way back to get back into that form he's I think on his way to recapturing that form the more we go on let's go ahead and take our first break right there that's kind of a position by position recap or or I guess overlook of the of the uh, top 101 free agents let's come back go down the list in its entirety we'll talk about some favorites of mine uh, what to expect this offseason shorter podcast today but Wednesday new league year that's all next drive time podcast your host Travis Wingfield brought to you by A Monday, a new league year week here on the Drive Time podcast. We took a look at the positional breakdowns of this year's defensive free agents in the top 101 on NFL.com. Let's go ahead and go down the list in its entirety. We talked about a lot of these names already, but just to kind of be completest here number one's defensive tackle, Javon Hargrave. And it's funny they went from Fletcher Cox to Javon Hargrave there in Philadelphia, as you know basically the best defensive tackle who can do multiple things and uh, scheme diverse and can play any front that's what Javon Hargrave does for the Eagles or he did for the Eagles and number three I mean the top three defensive free agents and four of the top or three of the top four overall players, are Philadelphia Eagles defenders. James Bradbury is number four. We talked about him. He's a great player. Jesse Bates is five. Draymond Jones talked about him, number seven. Zach Allen mentioned him at number eight. Uh, the first cornerback is number 10, Jameel Dean. He is a press zone corner, or, or, sorry, excuse me, press man corner. So I don't think that's a fit. Number 11 is Bobby Wagner. Levante La- Davis, 13. Mentioned Jordan Poyer at 14. Cam Sutton at 15. Uh, we get. Our second edge and Marcus Davenport at seventeen, I would be all in on him if it wasn't for the depth we already have at that position group. Mention the two linebackers David long Tremaine Edmonds, eighteen and twenty respectively i didn't mention byron Murphy number twenty four the Arizona Cardinals cornerback he he's interesting interesting to me as well because of his length and uh, his his penchant for finding the football. He's always around the football. Number 25, Edge, Yannick, and Gakwe, kind of an up-and-down career, but obviously has uh, paid it off last year with the Colts of the big year. Mentioned Puna Four, the defensive tackle from Seattle. He's number 29. Uh, I just don't think Miami's going to be in the top of the market at edge or defensive tackle. Um, to me, it's more about depth off the edge and possibly bringing back Ingram and Van Ginkle or either or, and then looking at trying to find... Um, basically John Jenkins' role from last year, your, your nose tackle, and maybe someone that can push Raekwon for more snaps as well on the interior. But, you know, with Wilkins and Sealer and Phillips and and uh, and Chubb and potentially Ogba and, you know, whatever else we're going to do there, I feel pretty good about the depth all across the defensive line. Then you get to this three-cornerback three, three cornerback run that Rosenthal lists here, 31, or 30, 31, 32, Shaq Griffin, Jonathan Jones, Patrick Peterson. You then get to Jadavian Clowney at 34, who's on this list every year it seems like. Mentioned Jimmy Ward at 35. Brandon Graham at 38 is interesting. Again, I don't think Miami's going to be spending big on edges after giving Bradley Chubb his big contract. But uh, Brandon Graham has been awesome for a long time. I do like me some Vaughn Bell, number 40. He's been a great box safety, kind of like a Rashad Jones type of player for a long time. A couple of linebackers at 42 and 43. Drew Tranquil is really interesting to me. If he hits the market, I, I would be intrigued by what he's, you know, Looking for because again playing in Brandon Staley's defense and Ronaldo Hill's defense last year that that just that recognition of knowing the defense I think is going to go a long way for guys. Uh, to try to get this team that I think is ready to win right now, get guys that can make immediate impacts and not have to have that learning curve. I think that'll go a long way. Uh, 43, linebacker Cole Holcomb. 45, edge Arden Key. I mentioned Marcus Peters. He's number 46 on the list. I just like his ability to take the football away and make plays. Donovan Wilson, the safety, is number 48, and that's the top half of the list. The guy split in our list here is our own Melvin Ingram at 50, the edge rusher slash kind of plays multiple spots. Uh, linebacker TJ Edwards is 51. I mentioned David Onyemata, the very good defensive tackle from the Saints, 52. Man, 54, edge, Samson Ebucom went from the Rams to the Niners, and he's been a really good pass rusher for his whole career. Uh, he, he's probably going to get a big-time deal to be a, a every-down player, for whoever he goes to next. I mentioned Kaiser White and Jermaine Pratt, 57, 59, respectively. Another edge at 61, Ogbania Okoronko from the Houston Texans. I mentioned Fletcher Cox at 63. Frank Clark got released by the Chiefs. He's number 64, but again, edge brusher. Uh, Same as number 68, Justin Houston. Bryce Callahan's between those two guys at 67. He's a guy that I'm really got my eyes on as a potential target, you know, coming over from uh, Vic Fangio's first signing at the Denver Broncos, played really well in the, the, you know, Brandon Staley's defense, Ronaldo Hill's defense last year. Greg Gaines, the defensive tackle from the Rams, is number 69, nice number seventy. And 71 and 72, all linebackers, Aziz Al Shair, Bobby Okereke, and Leighton Van Der Esch. I think all three of those guys offer different traits. They're all good players. A couple of safeties at 73 and 75, John Johnson and Julian Love. A couple of defensive tackles at 77, 78, Sheldon Rankins and Sean Robinson. Taylor Rapp is number 80, the Rams safety. Uh, I honestly don't know a lot about his game as a pro, but he's, he was a really good prospect out of UW, just a really smart, instinctive player, which... It's a big deal for the Miami Dolphins in that role. So we, we have two guys that do a good job of that now. We'll see what happens in the future with potentially a third. I'll talk about that here more in just a second. Number 85 and 87 are linebackers, Denzel Perryman and Caden Ellis. Uh, the safety, Juan Thornhill, mentioned him, number 90. Andrew Van Ginkles, number 92. And then we go defensive tackle, 94, Larry Ogunjobi. And two safeties round out, number 97 and number 100 to Sean Gibson, and Adrian Amos. In general, the defense within the top 100 is the definitive superior portion of the list. Not that that really means anything because you can typically find what you're looking for anywhere if you've got the budget for it. But as we've talked about, sometimes when there's a glut of really good options, sometimes the market can become a buyer's market, right? I mean, who knows what happens, but man, linebacker, safety, corner, those groups are so, so deep, and I just can't wait to see all of this play out. And just looking at that list, I can see why the idea of maybe going heavy on defense in free agency and then drafting offensively might be the best way to construct the roster. What's crazy about this to me is like you can have your plan and it can all fall apart with one move. So you have to have contingency and contingency and contingency. So you can go into it with a plan to how you're going to attack it and balance the books and all that stuff. But that's why it's so difficult to execute. But there's because there's so many moving and shaking parts that you just can't, you know, you can't rely upon predictability because there isn't any to forecast what's going to happen. But again, the the thing that makes it the most difficult to me without that first round draft pick, man, I would have turned that card in for. You know, Jameer Gibbs and Darnell Washington, however I had to do it, trade up with the second round pick back into the first round or whatever it had to have been, just get me those two guys and I would have felt great about the offensive skill positions. Them together is my dream, but it's dead on the vine, not going to happen. You can't get both of those guys. And also, I, though I'm a believer that adding to your strength is also just as valuable as adding to your need positions. I think most fans don't realize that, but strengthening a strength and, and becoming better at what you do best is a good move to me. That's why I don't think receivers like off the board entirely, even though you might think it is don't agree with that, especially when your strength is offense, which is the quickest route to being a good football team in 2023, it's just the way it is. But again, this free agent class is chock full of guys I think could make a massive impact. You you have your choice of corners, and there's a bunch that fit and have played in similar conceptual structures here. There's tons of off-ball linebackers to choose from. There are contingencies to what could be plan a's like if you don't get, you know, I don't know, Marcus Peters, how perfect of a fit is Bryce Callahan to be who's played for this coach and in this defense in multiple different schemes. That have the same principles of this defense. If you don't get Bobby Wagner, Aziz Al-Shair, or TJ Edwards, both those guys make a ton of sense. So there are options up and down here. And I want to talk about what, what an ideal offseason acquisition period might look like. But first, let's let's go ahead and, and do some inventory. You know, I could see maybe two marquee signings towards the top part of the 100 list. Maybe it's three if you don't go into the marquee of the marquee, like top 20-ish. Maybe you can find a way to squeeze out four with all the restructuring. I'm sure we're going to see, as Chris Greer alluded to and already executed with Bradley Chubb. Uh, you know, so for the sake of positional spending, team needs, here's what I'm going with. And again, the idea that space can be opened up uh, a lot, Bradley Chubb. So the inventory, here's what I have for us. And you're going to disagree off top for some of you guys, but I think our quarterback position is a blue player. I think he's a blue chip player who's a top 10 at his position, and a guy you want to build around. At running back, we literally currently have nothing, so I can't you know <laughs> can't attribute anything to that position. We have two blue wide receivers, two blue chips, two top five players of their position. You have to round out that three and four role, but is that Sherfield? Is it Craycraft? Is it Cedric Wilson? Is it Eric azukama You have options there. Do you draft players? Do you sign somebody else? I'm really curious to see how they prioritize the depth beyond Tyreek and Jalen. At tight end... I don't think you've got you know Gesicki's a free agent. We'll see about um, the, what's what's in store for Smythe, for Connor, for Hunter Long at the offensive line spot. To me, three stalwarts and three fringe starter slash six offensive linemen. You ideally would hope to bump at least one of those guys into the stalwart to give you four. That would be really, really nice. But between Armstead, Williams, and, and Rob Hunt, and then the three guys I mentioned, Rob Jones, uh, Liam Eikenberg, and Austin Jackson. On the defensive line, you have two 80% defensive ends, which is just a ridiculous uh, thing to hang your hat on. And I, I'm going to say Wilkins is a blue player. Sealer, I think, is close to that but I won't put him in that category because I think it's a little bit disingenuous to do that but just two damn good football players uh you have a quality nose tackle as well but I think you need depth in that position at the edge again two more blues and Emmanuel Ogba has been a blue in his career at worst and a, a better than adequate starter I think they could bring that depth back as well like I mentioned with Melvin Ingram or Andrew Van Ginkel, or maybe both I, I don't know exactly but I'm curious to see what that looks like at cornerback uh, I think you've got X and Cater are two quality starters. I think you need either a slot or a perimeter. Personally, I, I feel good about Cater inside or outside. I think he's a, I think he's going to be a great player. I just I I like what his. What his game looks like, what he's about from a mental makeup standpoint, I I trust him either perimeter or inside. But I think you need lots of depth there and one more starter, uh, whether it's inside or outside. Safety, I think you have a blue player in in Javon Holland. I think you have a very quality player in Brandon Jones. I think you need a third guy like you had in Eric Rowe for the last couple of years. So to me, the need stacked in order, number one to me is a, a great tight end. I think a great tight end makes this offense go in a way that no other position acquisition can do. Uh, I think starting cornerback is number two for me. By the way, when I say great tight end, I mean a guy that can do both roles. You can block and you can catch. Um, number three is my offensive tackle, that right tackle position in particular. Uh, off ball, linebacker's four. That OT could be higher because of the fact that Tehran has the injury history, but um, you, you understand what I'm saying there. And then off ball, linebacker, backup quarterback, Two running backs, safety, and nose tackle. That's the order I stack those in. So I want to take that last break and come back on the other side and talk about what I like from that list with those needs, with those resources. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, excuse me, brought to you by AutoNation.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast.
1: It is officially the new league year. Well, Wednesday, the negotiation period has opened up. I talked about the Dolphins inventory, the free agent that's uh, free agency that's out there. Let's go ahead and just look at, at what I went with here based upon, you know, what's the website called? The, the, the uh, mock free agency simulator, mock draft from TDN or um, PFF, whoever has the mock simulators. I went Hayden Hurst, the former Falcons, former Ravens, former Bengals tight end. And then Mike McGlinchey, even though I said I wasn't going to go into the marquee of the marquee, the number six player on the board, right tackle, plug him and play him, put him right there. That's what I would. That's what I would like to do to get to maximize this offense. There's my tight end. There's my tackle, and it was Bryce Callahan at cornerback, but of course that changed over the weekend. And you know what? Since I, uh, you know, I kind of feel like this forces me to skimp at the backup quarterback position here a little bit, and then maybe one of the other spots, I'm, I'm going to choose running back there. I think so. Let's go ahead and do Minshew. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add Aziz Al Alshair as a fourth. I know McGlinchey was high, but Hurst, Callahan, and Shair are all lower than like 65 on that list, so I think I feel good about the financial commitment to that mock offseason. I also forgot about Eric Kendricks. I would also be really interested in him. I love his game. I have since college. I really think the most obvious running back out there is a guy who probably won't come very expensively, a guy who the 49ers put a lot of stock into when he left Minnesota in his original free agent year and had a bunch of injuries that kind of plagued the rest of his career, but had some resurgence last year in Kansas City, especially as a receiving running back. Jarek McKinnon would be a great fit. He's my choice, not on the top 100 list. And so that leaves you with safety and nose tackle, really. And for those spots... Let's go off the list for these guys because we already kind of spent, you know, the the big one. Uh, Marcus Epps from Philly. I like his game a lot. And again, similar uh, zone structures there, heavy sub packages. I want to see if Akeem Hicks wants to play more football. If he does, I would give him a call. Or, or someone like Jonathan Hankins, you know, a, a 30-year-old, 330-pound man who's seen everything you can see in this game that just wants to come out and play 35% of the snaps and, and be good with that. That sounds like a, a, a nice little addition to Raquan Davis's presence. At running back, bring back Raheem. That, to me, is a no-brainer. Savon Achman as well for special teams in depth. And then also Jarek McKinnon, kind of the, I, I suppose, the 1A to Raheem Moster. And then probably also looking back in the draft uh, at that position as well. With all of that said, and uh, before the draft, uh, that gave me Tua and Gardner Minshew. <laughs> That's like Travis's ideal quarterback room, right? Raheem, McKinnon, and Savon at running back, at wide receiver, Tyreek, Jalen, bring it back Shurfield, Cedric Wilson, and Eric Azukama. maybe Craycraft in there, uh, Hurst, not sure what to do at number t- number two tight end. Smythe is under contract as well. Hunter Long, uh, Tanner Connor are my four tight ends there. My tackles are Armstead, McGlinchey, and Jackson. My interior are Williams, Hunt, Jones, and Eichenberg. On the D-line, Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, and Hicks. Uh, off the edge, Jalen, Chubb, Ogba, and Mel. Although, again, I think Ogba has a chance to potentially... We'll see what, um, what he looks like going into the offseason. Linebacker, Jerome Baker... Aziz Al Shayer and Duke Riley brought back on my little fun game here. Xavier Howard, Cater Kohu a substantial splash, intro Williams. And then Javon Brandon and John Johnson <clears throat> are my safeties. Then in the draft I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I got Darnell Washington on there. I just don't want to give up that dream yet. I got TyJay Spears. I think that he is the type of player you want in this offense, in particular uh, three-down ability, blocking his breakaway speed fits as well. And then Darius Hodges, Tomlinson in the draft. So that basically – You'd probably, you know, slot Washington in with Hurst as your one and two tight ends and play them a lot. Tajay Spears goes right in behind Raheem Moster and then Hodges Tomlinson uh develops and competes with um for that fourth cornerback job and is probably your top option in case of an injury so there you go a little bit shorter of a podcast today we're going to come back on wednesday with an up-to-date report on the activity around the league we'll break down these players one of the best weeks of the year with a new league year march madness kicking off we have the world baseball classic this year we made it through the first dead period the next one is july that's summer break but really from now till july you've got football this month next month Right into OTAs. Again, baseball season kicking off. The Mariners are going to be the best team they've had in a long time. NBA playoffs are always fun. The Miami Heat have been really disappointing me all year long this year, but uh, we'll get to watch them in the playoffs at least still. And if you can't tell in the excitement of my voice, by this time of year, I'm not doing my job the right way because I'm fired up for this spring. Let's go get it. Also, back out on the golf course, man. I got that golf bug. I shot a personal best 90 at the Grand Palms recently. Uh, Feeling pretty good about that. Played the Sable and the uh, Grand Course. The other day, so that's my my ninety, my bogey golf man. One a bogey every single hole. That's my time. Let's go ahead and get out of here. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. Check out the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today Media availabilities, all that fun stuff, and uh, the content that we do post up there, but haven't really put on social. So go to the YouTube channel; you'll find more than you can find on the social channel and last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline and cameron daddy's coming home